Welcome back to the 10 Blocks Podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Earlier this month, our parent organization, the Manhattan Institute, announced the launch of two new initiatives, the Policing and Public Safety Initiative, which brings new focus to the Institute's criminal justice work, and New York City Reborn, which aims to provide an agenda for New York's post-pandemic recovery. City Journal will be participating, of course, in each of those initiatives, and indeed, for the New York City Reborn series, we've, we've already published a number of important pieces on our website. This week, though, the Policing Initiative hosted its first live stream event, the inaugural George L. Kelling Lecture, which honors the work and legacy of the great criminologist and longtime colleague here at the Institute, who passed away last year. The lecture was delivered by our close friend, Commissioner William Bratton worked closely with Kelling during his entire career. You can check that out on the Manhattan Institute's YouTube channel if you're interested. Coming up on the show today, in honor of George Kelling, we thought we would replay an interview I recorded with him back in 2016. At the time, George had recently written a book called Policing in Milwaukee, A Strategic History, and I interviewed him about its key takeaways and to talk about policing in America more broadly. It was one of the first episodes we ever posted for 10 Blocks, so I hope it won't be too familiar for our listeners. I'll remind you that it is still an older interview, so some of the names and numbers you may hear could be a bit outdated, but its arguments and analysis are entirely relevant, as you'll see. That's it for the introduction, and now my interview with George Kelly. Today on our show, we have George Kelling, a longtime Milwaukee native, influential policing scholar and consultant, and a Manhattan Institute senior fellow. He's going to discuss his newest book, Policing in Milwaukee, A Strategic History, which traces this story expertly. Thanks for joining us, George. Thank you for having me. Your book opens with recollections of your childhood in Milwaukee where you and your friends could roam the streets at all hours without your parents batting an eyelash. By the late 1960s, that kind of scenario had become very hard to imagine, didn't it? Yes. Well, what you describe is the case. I, I remember vividly uh, we uh, when I was quite young u- using public transportation. I grew up across the street from one of the first housing developments in the United States, Park Lawn in Milwaukee. It was loaded with kids. We had great times playing ball. Uh, and... Uh, when it got dark, we'd come home, and the rest of the day we'd be out uh, playing baseball, football, basketball, depending upon the season. Basketball, even winter outside, uh, if we had to. For me, it was a great place to grow up at a, at a great time. Can you explain the various eras of policing in Milwaukee? Obviously, your childhood was one particular era. Very different uh, circumstances prevailed, not so much longer. Well, Milwaukee, like the Milwaukee Police Department, like most police departments during the late 19th century and early 20th century, was really uh, quite a corrupt organization. Uh, In many respects, uh, police departments in the United States, uh, including Milwaukee, were overlaid on the political structure at that time. And that political structure was oftentimes uh, like a collection of tribes. That is, you have various neighborhoods with council uh, men, you could call them, or ward bosses, depending upon your inclination, and the uh, ward bosses uh, would basically have control of the police departments in their particular districts. 
So you might have a chief of police, but that was largely a symbolic uh, head. And things were so bad. For example, in Milwaukee, uh, first chief of police was uh, uh, in office three separate times, depending upon the political party. Trainloads used to come to Milwaukee because of uh, Milwaukee was a place for gambling, uh, prostitution, other forms of, of corruption. So Milwaukee was pretty much a wide open town, and the police did a little about it. In the early 20th century, uh, Milwaukee, uh, a mayor at the time, in collaboration with the uh, state government, uh, had two basic ordinances passed that covered Milwaukee, that changed Milwaukee uh, really for the rest of the century. And that was, the first was, the chiefs of police would be appointed by life, for life. And that was that they had tenure and they could only be removed for cause. That was a radical change in American policing. Milwaukee was the first city to do that. The second major change in Milwaukee, uh, and this again was pushed by the mayor and the state legislature, was that the, the chief alone was responsible for setting policy and practice. The chief did not have to account to anyone or anything or any political body. Uh, and this, in a sense, set up a firewall between the Milwaukee Police Department and the political structure. And throughout the first half or into the, really into the 1960s, this operated uh, uh, as a model for the rest of the country in terms of how to rid departments of corruption and to get stabilized police departments. And I forget the exact number. During the first 60 years uh, in Milwaukee, you probably didn't have more than four or five police chiefs because of this tenure provision. And Milwaukee was considered to be a model reform police department in the first half of the 20th century. And visitors from around the world would visit Milwaukee because it was considered such a model police department with uh, these model provisions of tenure for the police chief and um, the police chief responsible for establishing policy, again, establishing this firewall between the political structure and uh, the police department. This may have cut down on corruption, but did it have a positive effect on policing? Well, as best we can tell, it did. A crime, um, uh, Milwaukee was always noteworthy as a low-crime city. The first national commission on policing, the Wickersham Commission, singled Milwaukee out as a model police department, and its low crime rate was due both to uh, the nature of its population and because of its wonderful police department. So Milwaukee was highlighted in that respect as being a, an orderly city with relatively low levels of crime. And uh, during the 1940s, when I was coming up as a boy, it was a low crime era that I really came up in. What happened during the 60s to Well, Milwaukee, that like many other cities, uh, began to uh, have some comeuppance, and that was that during the 1930s, 40s, 50s, increasingly the police began to use cars. And at first, cars would take officers from beat to beat so they could walk. Uh, then later on, riding in the cars became an end in itself. That got hooked up with the telephone. And that ultimately got hooked up into computers and 911 systems. That's, that's uh, more contemporary. But again, a model was laid out of police being in cars. And we had no idea at that time, or I shouldn't say we because I wasn't involved, but there was no awareness at the time of exactly what that would mean in terms of policing, uh, not just Milwaukee, 
but any any city. And the most dramatic uh, outcome uh, was that it removed police from any familiarity with neighborhoods and uh, of neighborhoods and communities, and it isolated police. But the 1960s, uh, 1950s, 1960s were also uh, years of rapid social change. And in the name of urban renewal, in the name of highway construction, in the name of of integrating schools, et cetera, it was an era of massive social change. And many of the neighborhoods were broken down, the neighborhood schools were broken down, and if you would ask a, a way to break down the social controls that neighborhoods and communities offered, uh, Milwaukee and many other cities could provide you with a good example because all the agencies of social control, all the agencies of socialization really came under uh, uh, well-meaning, but nevertheless an assault that broke down their ability uh, to maintain order and to keep youths especially under control. And so Milwaukee started, along with the, uh, most other cities at the time, a movement towards increased crime, but also uh, antagonism developed between police and the African-American community. And that, and we know about the riots of the 1960s. Uh, for most people now, those riots are history, but I remember uh, being on the streets of Milwaukee after the riots, uh, seeing the military on the streets, and it was something uh, tragic to see. But an antagonistic relationship started then between the between Milwaukee Police Department and citizens, excuse me, and African-American citizens, that really lasted up until uh, up until the current scene. Now, what has the department done to try to address policing in a racially divided city? Well, so I think obviously uh, it speaks to the very large national bit debate yeah. we're having these days on policing in minority neighborhoods. Yeah. Well, I think uh, first of all, the current chief uh, Ed Flynn, and I should uh, make it plain that I know Ed. I partially. Uh, recommended, uh, not partially, I recommended uh, Ed Flynn to be chief, so you have to take what I say in that context. But but Chief Flynn was a strong advocate of community policing. I I think he is aware of the great gap that began to develop between uh, the minority communities and the police department, and from the very beginning moved towards genuine community policing. Could could you describe... Exactly what community policing entails, George, for our listeners. Yeah, I think, first of all, um, what happened when we put police in cars was that police moved from preventing crime to responding after crime happened. And that was built around the 911 system, and it was built around keeping police in cars. And the idea was that you could move cars quickly around city streets, and by moving them rapidly and randomly through city streets, you could intercept crimes in progress, and you'd be available to respond rapidly to 911. I can't, uh, I can't go into the details, but those tactics simply failed. And so from the late 1970s on, police began to explore alternate ways of dealing with crime. And one of the dawnings during the 1980s uh, was that the community played an important role, and that is the community had information, uh, you had to work with the community, and you had to organize yourselves or organize the police department in ways that you would be available to get that information and that you would be trusted with that information. So you'd have to restructure the, the relationship between communities and the police. 
And so one of the first things that Chief Flynn did uh, was to refocus around a geographical orientation. Uh, in the past, police departments were built around algorithms to reduce response time. Instead, community policing emphasizes uh, building police departments around natural neighborhoods and so that you work with the neighborhoods to develop their strengths. So that, that, was a, that was one of the key elements of any community policing uh, attempt. And, and the second most important thing, uh, apart from the geography, is that you move away from, from just enforcing the law after crime happens to preventing crime before it occurs. And I think this, these are the two key elements. It's geographically oriented and the focus is on preventing crime. The other thing that Chief Flynn, from the very beginning, I, I think in terms of, 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 of working with the communities, was very frank about the very nature of the problems in Milwaukee. And that was serious crime and victimization was lo located in the African-American community. And Chief Flynn, not a guy to mince words, didn't miss, mince words about this. And, and so he was up front. And, where, and I'm not sure exactly, exactly what the figures are now. But I think last year in 2015, they had well over 400,000 con contacts between police and citizens, and they had under 150 complaints uh, to the uh, about police behavior. So that the relationship between the police and the citizens has, uh, has substantially changed. And I should add, Milwaukee had all the difficulties that we uh, read about with uh, officers shooting uh, unarmed uh, African American males, and there was, a, and, and this goes back to the 1950s when it was first noted. But that, but that concern has largely evaporated, and the complaints are, are way down in Milwaukee at the, at the present time. What has Flynn done in terms of, say, training of police officers to have brought about that well, quite I think striking the, turnaround? Yeah, excuse me. It's just it's a it's a, a very significant. Uh, I think uh, I think from the very beginning he began to focus around the issues associated with community policing, and that is the orientation that if you're going to win the confidence of the community, it doesn't come around come about as a result of community relations programs. It comes about as a result of the everyday contacts that police have with citizens, and. Uh, that's been the focus of, of training in Milwaukee. And on top of that is uh, training regarding dealing with the mentally ill. Milwaukee uh, had its own tragedy with an, Af with an emotionally disturbed African-American male who uh, got involved in a brawl with an officer and who was shot and killed. And the officer had gone through the, uh, had, had gone through the training but didn't follow the, uh, but didn't follow the, uh, a protocol for how to deal with emotionally disturbed, and and, and uh, Chief Flynn fired that officer for not following the protocol. So it's training plus holding officers accountable to carry out that uh, out that particular training. So so I think the term that's been used to describe this idea that it comes about as the every uh, that, that that good relations with the minority community comes about as a result of the everyday contacts. Uh, has got the fancy term procedural justice, and that is that in every contact, uh, you should be unbiased, you should be fair, you should listen, you should try and understand. Even if it results in arrest, you can still handle that contact civilly, and I think that's that's been a prime focus of uh, 
of Chief Flynn and the training that he's installed. You've consulted not just with the Milwaukee PD, but with a number of police departments over the years, including here in New York, where you're currently advising the NYPD under Chief Bill Bratton. Is the culture of the MPD very different from that of, of the New York Police Department? Or are police basically the same everywhere? No, they have very distinctive cultures. And uh, I think, speaking in the most broad sense, you can say that there's kind of a West Coast culture and an East Coast culture, uh, with the uh, with the Midwest uh, being more like the uh, Western culture. The Eastern culture has has traditionally, although that was lost for a period of time, has been a much more oriented around foot patrol. Uh, much more oriented around the, the move towards towards community policing. The West Coast, for a long period of time, and now I'm talking historically, for a long period of time emphasized that they could do the same kind of policing with smaller numbers of police. Los Angeles was the model of that. And uh, for a long time, Los Angeles prided itself that it had a very aggressive police department, uh, but a very small police department, but it could do that. Well, I think the recent... Uh, couple of decades have demonstrated that the cost of trying to do it with a small number uh, uh, running around uh, very swiftly are so high that you have to be moving towards having more police than what's been the case in cities like like Los Angeles. But you do get very different uh, police cultures depending upon department, depending upon, upon location. How much of a model can the Milwaukee Police Department be for the rest of the country? Oh, I think the shift towards community policing and what Ed has done there in terms of a geographic orientation, uh, and I think in terms of of his his forthrightness in terms of dealing with the community and what the and and, and, and what the problems are, I think that it, it's been very hard, especially for white chiefs, to be talking about the, the victimization in the African American community and the fact that a, that the vast majority of serious crime sadly, is black-on-black crime. Uh, Ed has been very forthright about that. He's, he, he's, he's been open to the community to discuss that, and uh, I think that has had enormous payoff in terms of the decline of the antagonism and the relationship signified by the decline in the number of, of complaints against the, uh, against the MPD. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.